0: Well, today we're actually going to wrap up our series called Lies That We Believe. This is the the fifth week. Usually we do four. I I could do this one for, I mean, there are a lot of lies that the enemy wants us to believe. We could actually go on for this or with this for for quite some time. But today we're going to finish up and move on to something else next week. But uh, if you've been coming or, or watching these sermons online, you know that what we're talking about are the, the various lies that the enemy, and we have to name him, it's, it's not our husband, it's not our wife, it's not our kids, it's not our parents, it's not our boss. The enemy is the devil. He is our adversary. He tries to fill our minds with thoughts that are in opposition to God's plan for our lives. He tries to get us to believe things about God, about ourselves, and about others that are not true. We know those are as, as lies. He is a liar. As a matter of fact, Jesus said this, John chapter 8, verse 44. This is our main scripture throughout this series. Jesus is speaking here, and he says, He, speaking of the devil, has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, not if, but when, because he is going to lie, it is consistent with his character. So what he's doing is consistent with with his character, for he is a what? He is a liar and the father of lies. Jesus called the devil a liar. He is a liar. As a matter of fact, uh, we didn't coin this phrase, but we've been saying a lot. The devil is a liar. You need to get used to saying that. Matter of fact, just go ahead and practice. You can look at your neighbor and say, "The devil is a liar." He is a liar, and he, he will lie to you about the things of God. He'll lie to you about the things that pertain to your life. He'll lie to you about the things that pertain to others' life and get you to believe that thing, that what someone is doing is in direct opposition to you or the text that someone sent. They meant it this way when in reality they did The devil will fill your mind with lies. He's out to, to, to kill and to steal and to destroy. And so what we've been doing is looking at some of the, the most common lies and there are a lot more, but we've been focusing on, on some lies that I know and believe are very common, and today is no different. Today, we're going to look at the lie called you are what you do. You are what you do. In other words, this is what I call the performance mentality lie, that if I perform well, then then I am of importance, or I have a lot of value. The The more that I can do, or... Or the more that I can achieve, the, uh, the better my performance, the, the better that I am. My title, my position, my income, my wealth, my neighborhood that I live in, the car that I drive. All of these things, all of the things that I can uh, achieve through my performance, they, they, um, they make up my identity. They make me valuable. And this is a lie that the enemy tries to get a lot of us to believe that we are what we do, that our worth comes from what we do, that if our performance is good, then we are good. For example, and I don't even know if they still do this. Some of you teachers could verify this um, to me this morning uh, just by saying, yeah, they still do that. But but when I was in school, specifically elementary, I remember this, and I wish I could have found the picture. I would prove it to you because I actually got one of these awards, believe it or not, but when I was in school, in elementary, they used to give awards at the end of the year, and they would recognize you in the yearbook for various um, things that you could achieve. For example, they would recognize uh, the most talented person or, or the best dressed. Do you all remember this? I don't know if this was just a Pottsville thing. That's where I went to school. I don't know if they, they still do this. Okay. Uh, cutest couple. I think I got that. Uh, me and my cousin uh, just kidding <laughs> um, anyway i don 't know why I said that, but uh, we, we, we got these these we, we were recognized for these awards, like you most talented or, or or you know best dressed or or, or or whatever and the one that we all coveted was the most likely to succeed y'all remember that because if we got that one, that means that our peers t- thought highly of us they thought that man okay that person's going somewhere in life I didn't get that I don't know anybody would just want to be prideful this morning and say yeah I got that <laughs> none of it. okay so we're all in the same boat that we didn't get that, that 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 we didn't get that coveted most likely to succeed award but we all wanted that Because we wanted people to think that we were going to do something in our life, that we would accomplish something, that we would be successful. Because after all, that's really where we put a lot of value. That's where we put a lot of worth in what we would end up doing later in life. And I believe that that same mentality still holds true today. We want to be successful. We want to have value. We want to have worth. We want people to to think highly of us. But sadly we wrongly base our identity and we wrongly base our worth and wrongly base our value off of titles, positions, wealth, income, various things. When in reality, we should be basing our worth and our identity and our value off of the things that God has to say about us. I'm sure you've noticed this, that when you meet someone for the first time and you engage in conversation... um, within just a few sentences, you are going to get asked by them, so what do you do? You ever notice that? I mean, when you meet someone for the first time and you're standing there and you, you, know, you can't get away and you've just met them and so you're, you're talking to them, inevitably, it's going to come up. So what do you do? So hey, Bob, nice to meet you. So where are you from? Okay. So what do you do? And we all want to feel like we are a contributor to the world. We all want to feel valuable. So... Many times we tell them what we do. Well, I do this or I do that. But a lot of times we will exaggerate our titles or position to make it sound like we're actually you know, more important than, than, than what our title would, would describe us as. For example, and I had some fun with this this week, I, I was Googling exaggerated positions that people use to describe what they do. And uh, one of them is this, you're talking to someone and you say, hey, so say, John, what do you do? Well, I'm an underwater ceramic technician, which is just a fancy name for a dishwasher. I-, I wash dishes. Here's another one. Director of first impressions. That's a receptionist. How about this one? A solar control technician. You tint windows. That's, that's what you do. You're a window tinter. I like this one. I'm a waste disposal engineer. Trash man or a garbage man. I'm a petroleum transfer technician. Okay, you pump gas for people. That's, that's what you do. And here's my favorite one. I'm an education center nourishment consultant. You're a lunch lady. That's, that's what you do. And it, I, many of you have probably done this. I, I know I've done this. You know, maybe in a little bit different, you know, a different, um, different way. You know, people will say a lot of times as, as for me as a pastor, when they find out I'm a pastor, they want to know how big the church is. How many people do you run? Well, they said run. They didn't say a 10. You know, we run about 500. We just can't get them all to show up on the same day. So, you know, we can kind of stretch the truth just a little bit. You know, you never know who's going to be here, what crowd that you're going to have. But I think we all do this. We, for some reason, we get our worth. We feel like that our, our value and our importance and our identity comes from what we, we do. And I think probably all of us have exaggerated our titles or our positions just so that we can feel valuable so we've believed this lie that the enemy has has put in our minds that you are what you do it's the performance mentality lie in the bible there's a man by the name of solomon who obviously was considered to be one of the wisest men who ever walked the earth the wisest other than jesus but he was known for his wisdom and when you read his his life story, read some of the things that he wrote, Solomon, the wisest man in the Bible other than Jesus, also struggled with this mentality, this performance mentality, this, this lie that says, Solomon, you are what you do. And I want to read this, a part of this, an, an excerpt from, from Ecclesiastes chapter number 2, beginning in verse number 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. and. and get a glimpse of of Solomon and his struggle with this life here's what Solomon said he says I said to myself come on let's try pleasure let's look for the good things in life but I found that this too was meaningless so I said laughter is silly what good does it do to seek pleasure after much thought I decided to cheer myself with wine and while still seeking wisdom I clutched at foolishness In this way, I tried to experience the only happiness most people find during their brief life in this world. I also tried to find meaning by, watch this, by building huge homes for myself and by planting beautiful vineyards. I made gardens and parks, filling them with all kinds of fruit trees. I built reservoirs to collect the water to irrigate my many flourishing groves. I bought slaves, both men and women, and others were born into my household. I also owned large herds and flocks, more than any of the kings who had lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women, and had many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could desire. So I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never Felled me. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. Watch this. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my laborers. In other words, he's saying, I've, I've built houses. I've planted vineyards. I have this. I have slaves. I have money. I have gold. I have done all of this. I have worked hard, and I have found that the harder I work, there are great rewards in that, and I take pride in that. I enjoy working hard to get the things that I have in my possession. I work hard for this. I'm performing well. I am the man. In other words, it's what he's saying. I have all of these things. Watch this, but then he says this in verse number 11. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless. Like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. Somewhere in in Solomon's life, he had this revelation that all these things that he had sought after... All of these things that he had worked so hard for, all of these things that he had built, and all the things that he invested his time in. One day he's looking at all this stuff and he has a revelation. Wow. All of these things that I thought were so important are actually meaningless. It's like it's like chasing the wind. I'm I'm never gonna catch up. It's always gonna be a bigger house. It's always gonna be a nicer car. It's always gonna be more expensive clothes or the latest iPhones or what it's always gonna be something. He bought into this performance mentality lie that that Solomon, you are what you do. You are all the things that that you can accomplish in life, and all the things that you can have in your possession. You, people think highly of you, Solomon. You're the man. He bought into this lie, and I think for a lot of us, it's it's very easy to find ourselves in that same boat this morning. That that we are what we do. I need this. If if I can live here in this neighborhood, then then. People will think more highly of me. If I can drive a nicer car, maybe I have a better chance of of picking up a girl or picking up a guy. If I can do this, if I can make more money, if I can do more. And we wrongly base our identity in those things. It's a lie that the enemy feeds us. And when we believe this lie, he has robbed us from really pursuing the things that truly matter. And he keeps our focus off of the best life that God has for us. And and once again, we we read where Jesus said that that the enemy is a liar, the devil's a liar. Another place he says, I have come that you may have life. But the enemy, he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. His purpose is to bring us away from the things of God. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to share with you three areas where we wrongly get our identity from. Are three areas to where we wrongly base our identity and here's the first one we wrongly base our identity on what we have accomplished we wrongly base our identity on what we have accomplished maybe this started as a child and, and for example when you first learn how to ride a bike when you could take those training wheels off for the first time and you were able to ride that bike all by yourself. You were somebody. You can ride a bike. I mean, you, Maybe you got a, a new bandana so you can be, be part of the BMX Bandit Bike Club. I, don't, I mean, you're, you're one of the cool kids now. You don't need no training wheels. You have, you have arrived. You have accomplished riding a bike. That was a big deal. Y'all remember that? For some of us, it's been years and years and years. But you remember, you're, you're somebody now. You're important. You can ride a bike. Maybe it was in school, as I mentioned a while ago. Not only did you get recognized as as the as the cutest couple or, or, or most talented, but but maybe, and I know they still do this, um, every nine weeks you're getting one of those certificates that, that says that that you made the honor roll. Um, uh, maybe it's an AB honor roll, or maybe it's the all A's, and so they call you up on the stage in the cafeteria, and you get recognized. You get a certificate that says, I'm on the honor roll. You've accomplished something. You're somebody. You're not one of those kids. You're, you're one of these kids. You're one of the smart kids. You have value now. You have, you have worth. Maybe it, it was a, a perfect attendance certificate. I have not missed a single day in school. And you get recognized for that at the end of the year. And that, that performance has led you to believe that you're somebody now. Are you, are you following me? You, you, your, your identity is based in things that you have accomplished. I remember when I used to play basketball in school. And, and, and you know, one, of the, one of our goals was, uh, no pun intended there, but one of our goals was to, was to be able to jump up and, and touch the net. And for those of you who aren't basketball, I mean, the, the net hangs from the rim and then you got the backboard. The net's the lowest. The net is the lowest part. And, you know, you've were you were cool. you've accomplished something when you can run and touch the net. And I would always try to find the net that was, you know, like broken and it had a, like a strand that was hanging down. So to be able to touch that strand that's like two inches lower than the actual bottom of the nets, to be able to say, I've touched the net. And Man, I, I'm a net toucher now. I can touch the net. And then you graduated to the backboard slapping the rubber on the backboard yeah i can touch the backboard and then you went up to the rim oh i can touch the rim and then it wasn't just touching the rim it was jumping up and being able to hang on the rim i can i'm a rim hanger now i'm no longer just a net toucher or a backboard thumper i'm a i'm a rim hanger y'all remember this y'all can play along with me i mean we did this we we felt like we were somebody you play basketball oh can you touch the rim oh yeah i can touch the rim I'm a rim toucher. Can you dunk the vault? No, I can't dunk, but I can. Now, I can dunk a tennis ball, but not a, not a basketball. We, we find our value and our worth in what we have accomplished. And then as we grow up and we become adults, it doesn't stop. Matter of fact, it just keeps progressing. Now it's not about the certificates of perfect attendance. Now it's about maybe, maybe job sales. Maybe you were the top salesman in the company for the month of, of February. So you feel good about yourself. Man, I got the top salesman award. Or maybe you didn't sell as many cars or products, whatever it is that you're selling, and so you feel, you know, like a failure. Well, that could have been me, but that wasn't me because I didn't do good enough this month. So you feel like a failure. Maybe you get a promotion or a raise. You're feeling pretty good. I mean, wow, I just got a promotion. Or, or maybe you, you don't make as much money as someone else, so now you compare yourself to how much they make. You, you compare yourself to what they've accomplished, and you look at what you've accomplished, and you feel like a failure. I don't have much worth. I don't have much value. My identity is based in my income. It's all about what we have accomplished. And where it gets really twisted is when we start getting our identity wrongly from what not just we've accomplished, but... As parents, we start basing our identity wrongly on what our kids have accomplished. Oh, well, my child, is a, he's only a sophomore and he made the varsity team. And we take a lot of pride in that. I'm somebody, I'm one of those parents. I, I'm, you know, I'm one of the cool parents. Or, or maybe we—maybe uh, it's, it's the opposite. Maybe your, your son is, or daughter is a senior and she can't even make the team. And so we feel like, a failure. My, my child can't make the team, or my child did make the team. Maybe your child is behaving good. When they're behaving good, you feel like a, a good parent, right? Somebody's like, I don't know what that feels like. <laughs> our, ch- our children are behaving good. We feel, we feel like a good parent. When, when our kids are making bad decisions, we feel like a, a bad parent. What did I do? Where did I go wrong? One of the things that really cracks me up is, is I, I love it when, when parents, and so, some of you, I'm not talking about you if you have this on your car, okay? But, but some of the parents out, out in, the, in the world uh, and some of you guys will, will put a bumper sticker on your car that says, my child is an honor student at Pottsville Elementary. Take a lot of pride in it. Look what my kids have accomplished. And, and then there's the other parents who get mad at you for doing that and they put stickers on their car that says, my child can beat up your honor student and there's there's this there's this back and forth this identity is not just based on what we've accomplished but now our identity is wrongly being based on what our children can accomplish and many of us many of us i know I've struggled with this many of us struggle with this lie this performance mentality lie that you are what you do and many times we wrongly base our identity on what we have accomplished. And the enemy will get our eyes to looking at those things. Look what you have. You're somebody. Or look what you don't have. Look what someone else has and you don't have that. So therefore, you're not as important as someone else. We wrongly base our identity in the things that we have accomplished. Secondly, another place that we wrongly get our identity from is in the things that we have. Our identity wrongly comes from what we have. Now, th- this one's a, a tough one to admit, but, but many of us struggle with this. We struggle with wrongly basing our identity on what we have. And this could be many things. I mean, it, it could be the body that you have. Yeah, I mean, that could be your identity is wrapped up in your body. Maybe you've got the curves, or you've got, you know, the, uh, the abs and the muscles, or, or all your parts are in the right places. And it's just, I mean, you've... You've got the body and you just, you just, you feel like somebody. You've got good hair, you know, and don't be looking around. You're making me very uncomfortable. Y'all start looking at people right now. You're, you, you know, you, you've got this, you've got it going on. And so your identity is wrapped up in your body. It's what you have. Maybe it's not your body so much. Maybe it's your possessions. It's wrapped up in the things that, that you have. Oh, oh, honey, look at us. I mean, we wear, we wear designer clothes, Nothing but nothing but the best. We live in the, you know, look at the neighborhood that we live in. Look at the house that we have. I mean, we have a swimming pool, honey. I mean, we, we're somebody. Look at this car that we drive. I mean, it's brand new. It's fully loaded. Sure, we owe more on it than, than, than what it's worth, but, but we're cool. We look good driving it. We we wrongly base our identity on the things that we have. And I'm I'm here to tell you, and I could go on and on about this one, but this is where a lot of people get so um, overwhelmed with financial debt. They they think that their identity is in the things that they have and the things that they can possess, the cars they drive, the house, the bigger the house, the better off, the nicer the clothes, the the, the more value. You want to have your identity based in the things that you have. And people struggle with this. They don't wear the same type of clothes that other people wear. And so they feel like, you know, I'm, I'm just this person. I'm, I'm a nobody. I don't have that kind of a house. I don't have that kind of a car. I don't have that much money. I don't have a body like that. I don't have hair like she has. I don't have, you know, pecs like this guy does. I, you know, I just, we feel like that we don't measure up. We feel like that we don't have value. And what we're doing is we're believing the lies of the enemy that you are what you do. You are what you have. You are what you have accomplished. We're wrongly basing our identity on these things. And here's the third one. Another area that we wrongly base our identity on is what other people think about us. Our identity comes from what other people think about us. What does so-and-so think? What does he think? What, what do they think? This is this a big one. You see this a lot on, on social media. How many, how many likes? Some of you that don't get on social media, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But when, someone, when you post something, other people can click a, a like button, that they like that post or they love that or a, oh my, wow, or whatever. They can put all these, what are those things called emoticons or, or emojis? Yeah, they... That, and what happens is is many people who have believed this lie from the enemy that you are what you do it's performance mentality it's what you've accomplished it's what you have and it's also what other people think about you many people that they they struggle in this specific specifically with this one right here because they want to see how many likes that I can get on Facebook or how many likes that I can get on Instagram you know my friend over here she got 175 likes with her picture and I only have Three and two of them is my family members. I mean, what the the people not like me? What's the matter? I mean, come on. We can laugh, but a lot of people struggle in this area. And it's a lie from the enemy. No one likes you. They don't care about you. If they really liked you, they would be liking everything that you put on social media. If people really cared about you, they would like your post. They would comment on your post. No one even commented on your post. When no one comments or no one likes, you, you know, you, you, you have your wife say, Honey, will you look at your news feed and make sure that that showed up? I, that may not have posted it on Facebook. I just, I just need to make sure that it was posted because, you know, nobody's liking it. <laughs> yeah, honey, it's on there. It shows you have three people that liked it. You know, one was me and one was your son. And so, and we struggle with that. We get our identity from what other people think about us. What other people say about us? Are people complimenting us? Are people not saying anything about us? You know, if, if someone says something good to us, we feel good about ourselves. Man, I got a compliment today. They, they noticed, you know, the things that that I was wearing or whatever. They, they 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 compliment me. No one said anything today. I must not have done a good job. No one even noticed my new hairstyle. No one, had, no one could even tell that I had lost 10 pounds. No one said anything about my new outfit. Come on, I think, let's just be honest, because confession's is good for the soul. I think we've all struggled with this. We've struggled with wrongly basing our identity on what other people think about us, our value, our worth. And the, the enemy loves this because, once again, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, when he can get you feeling like no one cares, when he can get you feeling like that you're not appreciated, or that no one really is even thinking about you, or you're not even on anyone's radar map, they, they, could, they couldn't really even care less about you. He can isolate you, and then he brings on discouragement, depression, and loneliness, and all these things that are associated with getting you isolated so that he can take you out. That's the enemy's role. That's the enemy's job. And so many of us are, are wrongly getting our identity on what other people think about us. One thing that we have to remember from all of this, when it comes to this performance mentality lie of you are what you do, is this, that you are not what you did, you are not what you do, and you are not what you're going to do. You are who God says that you are. I've been telling you throughout this series that the way that we combat the enemy's lies is by knowing what? By knowing the truth. And the only way that you know the truth is by getting in the Word of God. When you read this book, you're going to see who God says that you are. You're going to know how God has created you, how He's wired you. You're going to see where true value and true worth comes from. It doesn't come from your performance. It doesn't come from your accomplishments. It doesn't come from your well-doing and your good deeds that you do. It comes from who God says that you are. You're not your performance. You're not your possessions and the things that you have acquired and the things that you have. You are not what other people think about you. You are who God says that you are. And if you have given your life to Jesus Christ and you've made Him your Lord and your Savior, then you are a child of the King. You have been adopted into His family. You are in right standing with God, not because of what you are Doing, but because of who you are. I always find it interesting, and, and many times you, you don't even think about this, this phrase until you do a teaching like this. But, but God created you a human being, not a human doing. You are who you are because you exist. He's created you that way. You're not who you are based off of what you do. You are a human being and not a human doing. Well, pastor, is what I do, is, the, is it not important? Absolutely it's important. It is important what we do. Look at, look at what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. He says this, he says, We are God's masterpiece. We're God's creation. He's made us. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus. When we are, that's what the... What he's saying there is when we, are, when, we, when we give our lives to Jesus, when we accept Him as our Lord and Savior, He makes us new. We are now hidden in Christ. God doesn't see us anymore. He sees Christ Jesus because we are hidden in Him. He says we are created in, anew in Christ Jesus so we can do, everybody say do, so we can do the good things He's planned for us long ago. So we are supposed to be doing things. So what we do is important. But what we do isn't what makes us who we are. What we are should reflect, though, in what we do, not the opposite. What, what we do is a, should be a reflection of, of who we are, not what we do is defining us as who we are. Once again, He's created us a human being, not a human doing. When you believe that your worth comes from what you do... You end up trying to do too much to prove yourself to other people. i got to prove myself because my worth comes from what I do. My worth comes from my accomplishments. My worth comes from my possessions. My worth comes from what other people think about me. And when you believe this lie, you do too much. You try to do too much to prove yourself. And when you try to do too much to prove yourself, you, 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 your life becomes a whirlwind. You're stressed. You're, you're just... You're you're overwhelmed with things to do because you're always trying to become somebody. You're always trying to reach another position. You're always trying to reach another title. You're always trying to do more. Your identity is wrongly wrapped up in what you're doing. Have too much going on. Trying to look a certain way. You want to feel like that you've made something of yourself. And we've all been there. We get overwhelmed. This describes a lot of people today. Many people have the, what you call the, the when-then mentality. When I accomplish this, then I will do this. When I make more money, then I will start giving. Or, or when I have a bigger house, then I'll start enjoying life. When I can get a free night, then I'll take my wife on a date. It's the win then mentality. But the problem with the win then mentality is that the win never comes and the then never happens. Because there's always going to be another goal to achieve. Just like Solomon was saying there, I'm going to build bigger houses. I'm going to plant more vineyards. I'm going, to, I'm going to have more slaves. I'm going to do more, more, more. It's always another goal to achieve. There's always another giant to slay. There's always another mountain to climb. If you're driven by this performance mentality, if you're bought into this lie that you are what you do, there's always going to be something that's standing in the way of doing the things that really matter. As a matter of fact, one of the things that I'd love for you to take away from this, I think we have that on the screen, if you'll go ahead and put that up there. The things that you think are so important are stealing from you the things that really are important. And this is true for many of us today. The things that we think are important are stealing from us the things that really are important. And I think this is what Solomon was beginning to realize. All these things that I thought were important are really just... They're meaningless. They're not going to... Go with me when when I pass from here to eternity. They're not making a difference in in my family's lives. They're they're really not that big of a deal. The writer James, in in James chapter 4, verse 14, he says this. This is is one of my go-tos. Every time I I do a a funeral service for someone, I always remind everyone that's in the, the audience how precious that life is. The writer James says this. He says, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? A lot of people saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to... He says, how do you know what your life is going to be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here for what? It's here for a little while. And then it's gone. A little while. And I, I, I don't think this. I know this, that the older you get, the quicker that you realize how fast that time is passing by the quicker you realize this little while the meaning of that I know I remember when I was a, a you know just a, a young squirt you know just 10 years old or whatever just thinking man I've got I've got my whole life in front of me well yeah you do but you don't know how long that life is and you think man I... I've got all this time. You can't wait till you get out of school. You can't wait till the summer. You can't wait till you're this. You can't wait till you're that. And the next thing you know, you're 46 years old and you're looking back and you're thinking, oh my goodness. I know that's old, isn't it? Where, where's the time gone? Your kids are starting school. Then you blink and they're graduating. How many of us realize this to be true? I mean, it's just life is so Short. He's saying here that your life is like a vapor. It's like the morning fog. It's only here for a little while and then it's gone. And what he's saying is that we only have one life to live. And it's short. We only have one opportunity to do the right things. We're only here for a little while. And during that little while, the devil is going to do all that he can to get our minds on the wrong things, on the things that really aren't that important. He's going to try to convince us that that these things are important, but in reality, in the grand scheme of things, they don't really matter. He wants us to believe that our worth and our value comes from what we accomplish and comes from our possessions and what we have and our worth and value and identity comes from what other people think about us. And if He can do this, if He can do this, then He can keep us busy focusing on the wrong things rather than on the life that God has for us and the life that matters most i think for many of us this morning we have been so deceived by this lie and i'm going i'm gonna, I'm saying we so that means you can't have a we without an i okay that means i'm included in this but some of us we've been so deceived by this lie that our spiritual lives have become a joke we 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 have time to go to the gym and work out because we want other people to to think highly of us and how good we look, but we don't have time to, to read and pray and effectively lead our homes. We have time for the things that we think that are matter that, that are important, but in the grand scheme of things, they're really not that important. We have time to make it to all the political and social events that's going to gain us influence with our peers to help us move up the corporate ladder. But we don't have time to go to our kids' ball games in their practices, in their recitals. Yeah, we may be driving a nice car, we may be wearing nice clothes, but our our teenage daughter is slipping off into sin. We may make a six-digit salary, but our marriage is falling apart. This, This is what happens when we wrongly base our identity in titles and positions and things we've accomplished, and things that we have, and what other people think. Well, pastor, when I get my car paid off, I'm going to take my kids on a, on a nice vacation. When I retire in 10 years, I'm going to spend more time with my wife. You know what? You may not have that wife in 10 years. we got to focus on the things that matter the most. One more time, Solomon said this, In verse number 11, he says, As I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless. It was like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. Once again, the things that we think are important are stealing from us the things that really are important. People today are missing out on the great the greatest things in life, all because they're pursuing the wrong things. They're believing the performance mentality lie that you are what you do. They're wrongly basing their identity and their worth and their value on titles, positions, incomes, what other people think. But I want to let you know today, in closing and wrapping up this sermon and wrapping up this series, that you are not what you do. You are who God says that you are, Your identity does not come from what you do, what you've accomplished, or what other people think about you. Your identity comes from the one who created you, which is God. And one day, all of us are going to stand before Him and we're going to give an account for how we've lived our lives. Specifically, what we have done with the greatest gift that He's given us, which is Jesus Christ. What did we do with Jesus? When we stand before God on that day of judgment, He's not going to ask us how much money we made. He's not going to ask us what our job title was. Were you the CEO or were you the janitor? He's not going to be asking us that. He's not going to be asking how many friends we had on Facebook or Instagram followers. He's not going to ask us how many comments we got on our posts or likes that we got. He's going to want to know what we did with His Son Jesus. Did you make Him the Lord and Savior of your life? Or did you get caught up in the lies of the devil that says, you are what you do. You've got to have this. You've you've got to do this. You've got to to become this person. You've got to make this kind of money. People are throwing their lives away today. It saddens me. I know people who have a lot of money who've run their marriage, who've run their their family. Their kids no longer have anything to do with them because they spend all their time focusing on things that they thought that mattered. But in the grand scheme of things, they really didn't matter at all. Does God want us to be blessed financially? Absolutely, but there's a way of doing that. And it's by putting him first. Jesus said this. This isn't on the screen, but in Matthew 6:33, he said, "Seek him first. Seek me first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness." And all the other things will be added unto you. Our responsibility is to put God first, to seek God. Get your identity in Him. Young people, those of you who are single today, you don't need another person to complete you. Your completion and your identity is found in Jesus Christ. Don't be looking for someone who's going to make you better. You're not ready today. You're not ready for marriage until you know who you are in Christ Jesus. You don't need a man to complete you. You don't need a woman to complete you. You need God. So I want to pray with you this morning. If you bow your heads and close your eyes. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, God, for this time that we can spend together in your word. God, Kayla mentioned this in her prayer, Lord, that, that your word tells us that, that your word will not return void. God, I know that your word right now has fallen on people's hearts today. God, they're hearing this word, and I believe the Holy Spirit has taken what you've spoken today, and he's sealing it in their hearts, God, and he's convicting people of, of things that they need to let go of and things they need to change in their life. And I just pray that as we move throughout this day, Father Lord, that that your word would just continue to do what needs to be done, that people would stop wrongly basing their identity and wrongly basing their worth and wrongly basing their value on things that they've accomplished and things that they have and on what other people think. That those things aren't important, Lord, that they would see that the most important thing, Lord, is what you have to say about them. And the only way they're going to know what you have to say about them, God, is to get into a relationship with you and to pursue you with all of their heart. Father, I pray that all of us today would take another step closer to you. If we've never given our lives to you, that today would be the day that we give our lives to you and we surrender to you. For some of us, God, we've been serving you for many, many years, but today I pray that we would take another step to grow closer to you in our relationship. That we would take another step, God, to do more for you and for your kingdom. That we would that we would reevaluate, God, what we're spending the majority of our time on every single day. And that we would have a revelation like Solomon did and say, you know what, these things aren't really that important. What's important right now is first of all, giving my life to Jesus. Secondly, it's my family. Loving others. Raising my children. Being a godly influence to them. Being a godly husband and Loving my wife the way that Christ loved the church. Being a godly father and setting an example for my children. Being a godly mother to my kids and loving on them. Giving them them the care and the nourishment that comes from the Father. Setting them up to find and discover the Lord at an early age. Father, I pray that today, Lord, before we leave, that we would have a reevaluation of things that matter in our lives. That we would surrender our hearts and lives to You. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I challenge all of you this morning for that to be your homework assignment as as you leave today, as you're sitting around the dinner table, as you're sitting on your couch later this afternoon, that you reevaluate your life, reevaluate your priorities. If you still have kids at home, look at those precious kids. I know that they can get under your skin. I know that they can drive you crazy. I know that they will test your patience, but you only have them for a little while. Invest in their lives. Spend time with them. If you're married this morning, spend time with your your spouse. Love them. Stay committed to them. Be faithful. Love them like Christ loved the church. Like like you want Christ to love you, love them. Well, they're not the same as they used to be. Love them anyway. Love is a choice. This This is free. This is not part of my sermon. This is just free advice, okay? Love is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's not something that you fall into or fall out of. It's a choice. Love them. Amen? All right. God bless you guys. Listen.